Okay, so let's talk about the Enneagram. How many people have taken their Enneagram tests? How many people have done it? A lot of you. Good, good. If you're new here, uh, we're doing this series. It's called the Enneagram. And the reason we're doing this Enneagram series, it's a series where we find out more about us, who we are, how we tick, what we do when we're healthy, what we do when we're not healthy. Uh, and there's a reason we're doing this series, okay? So there's a reason you're going through some of the challenges of this series. Like, I might be an Enneagram 7, but I have a wing, which is an 8, but I also have another number, which is a 1 and a 5, and I'm confused. How many people feel that way a little bit? That's all right. That's all right. We'll get there. Um, yeah, it's a little bit confusing. There's a lot to unpack and a lot to go through. So I thought maybe, you know what, let me remind us why we're doing this series. I think the first reason we're doing it is because uh, we believe as a church that the gospel is both communal and personal. And so we've done a lot of communal talk recently. We've talked a lot about uh, racism and reconciliation. We've talked about how we as a community can, um, can work to change systems that oppress and marginalize other people, especially people of color. We talked about that a lot. We'll continue to talk about that. We talked about what it means for our community to be prophetic, and now I think it's time for us to kind of sh uh, swing the pendulum back to talking about our personal being, our personal well-being, how we fit into this gospel message, how our lives are good news. And so what I said the first week, which, is ba which bears repeating, I said, oh, the, the problem is, is that we believe lies, and we believe lies that tell us um, that our identity comes from what we have what we do, and what others think of us, right? Those are the lies that sort of make up our identity, right? And so we're doing this Enneagram because we want to dispel the notion that those lies have any kind of truth. And we want to remember that our identity comes in Jesus Christ. It comes in the fact that we are made perfectly in the image of God. Now, sometimes we've been taught that we're not made perfectly in the image of God. No, we are made perfectly in the image of God. So I do not care where you come from. I don't care your gender. I do not care about ethnicity. I do not care about your orientation. We are all made perfectly in the image of God. And that is our identity. It's a tough one to believe. It's a very tough one to believe. In fact, we don't like to believe it. Right? In fact, we don't like to believe that we can partner with God to bring good things to this, to this place, to this earth, um, because we feel broken, right? And so that's what I want to talk to about today. I want to talk about our brokenness. I want to talk about our unhealthiness. How many people in this room are unhealthy? Y'all should be raising your hand. I want to talk about our unhealthiness. And here's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about why our unhealthiness I want to talk about the things that stop us from contributing to the kingdom of God. I want to talk about how they can be good things. Okay, we're going to talk about how they can be good things. You with me? All right. I'm going to read you a passage from Scripture. It's Paul. And I'm going to just go ahead and say it. It is the most grammatically confusing passage in all of the Bible. So do your best to follow along. And this is what Paul says in Romans 7, 14. He says, We know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer by myself who do it, but sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do. I, I, this I keep doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but the sin living in me that does it. We all following along, right? Good. This last line sort of sums it up. And this is the last line. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. And that line sort of sums it up for us. Although I want to do good, evil is right there 
with me. Now, here's the thing. I think we look at this, and we, we look at this as a dichotomy, as, as like Paul uh, drawing a line and creating a group that's here and a group that's there, and he's saying, sometimes I'm in this good group, and sometimes I'm in this bad group. And that's really bad theology. In fact, that's pretty dangerous theology at the end of the day, because what's happening here is Paul is not creating a line and then separating people. So this isn't one of these things that says, sometimes I'm good, but I'm also really terrible, and so sometimes I'm bad, and that badness or my evil separates me from God. This isn't about being separated uh, at all. Um, This isn't about being saved or unsaved. It's not about that at all. What this is about is Paul saying, you have a goodness inside of us. We all have a goodness inside of us, and it's our identity. And it's our identity that we are made perfectly in the image of God. We are God's children. We are God's beloved. That is the good. But then we have this other part of us. We have this other part of us that says we don't deserve that. We don't deserve to be a child of God. We don't deserve to be God's beloved. We don't deserve to partner with God in bringing the goodness. We don't deserve that. And so that, Paul would call our evil part. I don't know if i call it evil. I think what I would probably call it is self-sabotage. Self-sabotaging. Um, I don't do a lot of baseball analogies, even though I'm a huge baseball fan, but I'm going to do one today. So just deal with it. All right? Um, 1988, the Mets make the playoffs, and I'm 10 years old. I'm so excited. I'm going to go to the Mets game, the first playoff game I'm ever going to see, and I'm going to see my favorite pitcher. His name is Bobby Ojeda, and I'm just psyched, and that's all I could talk about for days. And then the news report comes out that Bobby Ojeda, uh, and I don't know if this is true or not technically or or maybe while drinking, decided that he needed to uh, trim his hedges. And so what he did is he went out and he grabbed an electric hedge trimmer, and in the process of trimming his hedges, he trimmed off his finger as well. That's what he did. And I was devastated because as a 10-year-old, even I knew that if you're a pitcher, you need your fingers to pitch. (laughs) And I I knew that. And I also knew that if you were going to pitch in a big game, a game where you're going to have a big spotlight, you probably don't want to drink too much before that. And I knew that if you're going to pitch a big game and you're going to be in the spotlight, you really didn't want to drink and then pick up hedge clippers either. Right? That's stuff I knew. So I was like really bummed and upset. And my dad said to me, my dad goes, Jonathan, what he did was self-sabotage. And I said, well, dad, what's that? And he said, self-sabotage is when we were meant for something. When you are meant for goodness, when you are meant for excellence, when you are meant to be there in the spotlight, when you are meant to do the thing that you are supposed to do, but you don't believe it. And it's a subconscious belief. So what you do is you sabotage yourself. You stop yourself from getting to the place where you're supposed to go. You stop yourself from doing what God has created in you to do. And oftentimes you do it subconsciously. He said, so it wasn't like Bobby Ojeda went out there and tried to cut off his finger, but subconsciously there was something in him that made him think he wasn't worthy of this game, this spotlight, whatever it meant. So he cuts off his finger. Now, I don't know if that's true or not because I don't know Bobby Ojeda, but it's a good analogy. I think <laughs> the story is true. I just don't know Bobby O. Now, there are ways in which we cut off our proverbial fingers. We do. We self-sabotage. There are ways that, that we go around with our hedge, tri- hedge uh, trimmers, right? That we do this, right? And, and here's the thing. I do this, too. I'm a seven. Who's, who's in this? Seven's in the room. Where are my sevens at? We are, so me and another seven, we're talking. We're going to uh, make a movie, and then we'll quit halfway through. Because <laughs> we're going to go out and do something else. The twos will finish it for us. As a, as a seven, um, that would be awesome. 
as a seven, when I'm healthy, when I'm at my best, I'm enthusiastic. I get excited about big ideas and I get other people excited about big ideas and I plan things well. And as a seven, what I do uh, is I like to spend time with people because I'm an extrovert, but when I'm really healthy, what I know I need to do is I know there's sometimes I need to say no. I know there's times I need to create balance. There's times when I need to save some energy, right? That's when I'm at my healthiest. When I am unhealthy, I will self-sabotage myself. How will I do that? I will go into excess. I become an addict. So give me anything. Give me a beer, I'll drink as many as I can. Give me people to hang out with, I will hang out with as many as I can without stopping. Give me a church to pastor, I will pastor until I literally fall down. Like That's what I do. I do everything into excess. If I'm talking with you when I'm in an unhealthy place, I'm not thinking about the conversation I'm having with you. I'm thinking about the next conversation because everything happens in excess and I always need more and more. That's what happens when I'm unhealthy. And what I do is I stop myself from being my best. I am made in the image of God. I am made perfectly in the image of God and I'm made to partner with God and bringing peace to God's kingdom, but I will sabotage that by running myself ragged and getting myself into addictive patterns. That's what I do. Now, you do it too. We all have these things. The Enneagram, uh, in the book we're reading, the sacred Enneagram, they're called passions. We all have our passions. We disintegrate into passions. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. Some of you are thinking, Jonathan, passion sounds like a good thing. And I used to think it was a good thing. Um, but the Latin for passion is suffering and endurance. Did you know this? I didn't. Good for you. I didn't know it. I had no idea, which made so much more sense because the movie The Passion of the Christ, Passion of the Christ, that we all watched a while back, I used to think it was like Christ was so passionate about me that he died for me, but really it was like the suffering and endurance of Christ, and it makes so much more sense. Like It, it really does. So we have these passions. We have these things that we suffer over, that we endure, and as you can see, we have your numbers up here. So you can see your number, and you could see your passion. So like, where are my twos at? Where are my twos? Okay, twos, thank you for being helpful. Uh, you're great people. And, uh, and here's the thing, when you get into an unhealthy place, what you tend to do is you still wanna help, but you don't help so that, so that you know, God's kingdom uh, can be made peaceful. You help so that you get the glory. You help so that it becomes all about you. And so the caricature for that, or like the most unhealthy of twos would be like, you know that parent that like, um, makes their kid like, play baseball even if they don't want to? And like, you'll do it, and you'll practice. And it's not for the kid, it's for the parent, right? That would be a really unhealthy two. Uh, where are my threes at? All right, achievers. There's only three of you. <laughs> not too many people achieving. Um, achievers, you do. You do a lot of great stuff. Uh, and here's the thing. Uh, you also decide when you're unhealthy that you sabotage yourself by creating a facade because you don't want to let people see what's really going on inside of you. And so you create this facade when you're unhealthy, and what happens is when you're really unhealthy, that facade gets exposed, and that, and that thing that you're the most afraid of, being exposed as a fraud, it actually happens. Like you sabotage yourself into making it happen. That's what happens to my threes. How about my sixes? Where are you sixes? Man, I really thought there'd be more of us in here. There's one that's not admitting it over here. Um, <laughs> Uh, six is you actually, I, I think I admire you the most because there's so much that you do and so many positives you have. But when you're unhealthy, the way you sabotage, you don't necessarily sabotage yourselves. You sabotage others because you're fearful. And when I say you're fearful, you're not fearful like I'm going to hide under the covers. What you do is you overprotect and you overworry and you're overly concerned. And you can always tell like sixes, like unhealthy sixes at the playground because when their kid's on the monkey bar, the parent is like, <laughs> like just right there. 
Like, that's an unhealthy, that's an unhealthy six. Um, but we all have them. Do you see yours? Do you see yours up here? Everybody see theirs? I know if you ha- some of you haven't taken the test, and thanks for being here. I get that. <laughs> um, that's the, yeah. So here's the thing, and I'm sorry, I'm... <laughs> I'm a little snarky today. And, and, he, and he, here's the thing. So, so Paul talks about this good and this evil, right? And that's what he's talking about. And so we're still trying to get to the root of that. And so when we go to these unhealthy places, even though we're made in the image of God, we have this good in us, right? Why is it? Why is it that we're still going to these unhealthy places, that we're identifying in these other things? I'm going to get to that. The way I'm going to talk about that is by saying this. These passions... These unhealthy things that we have are actually good. They're good. I'm going to tell you why they're good. And I'm going to tell you why they're good. I'm going to get a little vulnerable with you, okay? Uh, As many of you know at this church, I've talked about it a lot. About five years ago, my dad came out as transgender. So when that happened, that was devastating. It was really devastating for me, really difficult for me. I wasn't expecting it. I I didn't know it was going to happen. And so this was like a giant surprise, okay? And so what happened to me is I went into full unhealthy mode. I disintegrated way down into my passions, and I just started doing everything in excess. I, I drank all the time. I, I took way too many meetings. I overextended myself. I was working 80-hour work weeks just because. Um, and, and, and here's the thing, and this is the important part. When I descended and disintegrated into this place, it wasn't like I knew what I was doing. It wasn't I was like, Jonathan, well, you're a seven, and you're descending into your passions right now. Stop it. No, it wasn't like that. It was like, oh, another beer? Yeah, I'll have another beer. Oh, yeah, I can meet with you. Don't worry. I only got four other meetings scheduled that day, so I can meet with you. I'm good. Or it was like, I want to be a church that's just and generous, and so I'm going to make sure I pour 80 hours a week at the expense of everybody else into this church so that this church can do what it needs to do. And I didn't realize the why. Why did I go into my passion? Why did I disintegrate into that place? Why was I sabotaging myself? Why? You know, it's one thing to drink and to pick up hedge trimmers and cut off your finger. It's another thing to know why you're doing it. Why did I do that? And so what I realized is that uh, these things, these passions that we have, they, they're sinful. right? They can be. At this church, we, say, we define sin by saying anything that disturbs the peace that God intends for the world is sin. Right? Anything that dis- disturbs it. And so what I would say is, yeah, my passions disturb the peace that God intends for the world. They are sinful, but they're also Good. Christopher Hertz, the guy that wrote the book, The Sacred Enneagram, the author, he says that when we're going on our journey to find ourselves back into the fold, back into the love of Christ, back into recognizing we're God's beloved, when we go to that place, it's like fumbling in the dark. It's hard. We can't find our way. And he says when we start to recognize the whys, why do we have these passions and why are we acting on these passions, he said these whys act as a flashlight. So you might say, well, why am I doing, why am I getting into excess? Oh my gosh, it shines a light on it. I'm getting into excess because I'm dealing with this issue, which sets me back on a path towards knowing my real identity. And so for me, what that looked like, and I'm getting pretty vulnerable here, for me what that looked like is, um, you know, after lots of prayer, uh, a lot of contemplative just silence, a lot of time just with the Spirit, with God, after time in therapy, and I'll I'll say it again, if if we're Christians and we can afford it, go to therapy because it helps. And after all that, I started to realize that my issue is that uh, when my dad changed her identity, I, my identity was in my father. So I was, I was my dad's son. 
And when she changed her identity, I had no identity. Like, it freaked me out. And I was like, I've always been my dad's son, so now I have to find my own way. And when I started to see that, then I started recognizing what I, my passions. I started going, oh, wait, when I, when I don't think about that, I go to a bad place. It's the whys. The whys are the flashlights that get us back on the journey towards recognizing our true identity as God's beloved. And here's the other thing. That flaw that I have, it's a pretty big flaw. It's a pretty giant flaw. That flaw that I have, though, is also a good thing. There's this great, um, this really, really great Jewish folktale, and maybe you've heard it before because it's pretty popular. It's about a king, and a king has this giant diamond, and this diamond's the most beautiful thing in the world, and it's huge. It's the size of a hand, and it's, the clarity is second to none. And... Um, Everybody from all around the world comes and sees this diamond, and, and it's just beautiful, and it defines the kingdom and the king. And then one day the king wakes up, and the diamond's cracked. It just has this crack in it. And so the king's like, oh, my goodness, you know? Um, and so he calls these jewelers from all over the world, and they're like, we can't fix this thing. We're going to have to cut it in half. Can't fix it. We're going to have to cut it in half. Finally, a woman comes, and she goes, I can fix this. You just got to give me a couple weeks. So he gives her a couple weeks. She goes, and she... She fixes the diamond. She brings the diamond back and she unwraps it and she hands it to the king and the king's like, this is the most beautiful diamond I've ever seen. Uh, and what the, the woman did was she etched this really intricate and elegant flower on the diamond and it made the diamond more beautiful than ever and the diamond shone in ways that were more beautiful than ever. And the king is like, you did it, you fixed it. Where's the crack? And the woman looked at him and she goes, the crack is the stem of the flower. It's still there. You just can't see it, it's beautiful. That's what our passions are. They're the cracks. They're the flaws. When we recognize the whys behind our passions, those become the stem of our flowers. Those become the thing that make us beautiful. Those become the lights that shine us back to the place where we know we are God's beloved. Although I want to do good, evil is with me. Yeah, it's true. Although I want to do good, this pain is with me. My passion is with me. My self-sabotaging ways are with me but they don't define us. In fact, they have the potential to make us beautiful. So let me ask you this. What's your passion? Think about it. Think about what your passion is. Now, why? Why is that your passion? What's going on? How do we need to dig a little bit deeper? How do we need to sit in silence? How do we need to pray? How do we need to talk to somebody else to find out why? And know this, your passion does not define you. You are defined by the fact that you are made perfectly in the image of God. So what I want to do is I want to practice. I'm going to invite my friend Teresa up. And Teresa uh, works as a coach. She does meditation. She does contemplative prayer. And I want us to practice spending time with ourselves to think through our passions, to think through the reasons we're cutting off our proverbial fingers, and to get to the wise. Because it's getting to the wise that get us home. Amen.